Well, before we begin this Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want to take some time together this morning to look at an important and difficult period in Isaac's life, because we can learn from Isaac quite a bit about how to go through our own important and difficult periods. And if you've been feeling weary or discouraged, or if you've lost heart, this message is really for you. So let's start in Genesis 26 in this week's Torah portion. We're going to take time and read and study together this chapter. And my message this morning is entitled, Not Again Enough Already. Lessons from the life of Isaac. So starting in Genesis 26, verse 1, it says this, A famine came over the land, not the same famine as the first famine which had taken place when Abraham was alive. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Avimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Don't go down into Egypt, but live where I tell you. Stay in this land, and I will be with you and bless you, because I will give all these lands to you and to your descendants. I will fulfill the oath which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will give all these lands to your descendants. And by your descendants, all the nations of the earth will bless themselves. All this is because Abraham heeded what I said and did what I told him to do. He followed my mitzvot, my regulations, and my teachings. Now, this is an interesting passage because it helps us understand that God has different solutions for similar problems. You see, there was a famine in the land. This is the second famine. There was a, a famine when Abraham came into this land of promise, and Abraham went down to Egypt at the direction of the Lord and waited out the famine and then came back. But the Lord says to Isaac, don't go to Egypt. That's what Abraham did, but you stay where you are. And this is so important because there are times when we try to apply a cookie cutter approach to our lives with the Lord and the challenges that we face. But it's really important to be directed by the Lord in your challenging and important times and not to just follow what you did in times past. It's important to have good habits, of course, and good disciplines, of course, but it's also wise to seek the Lord whenever you have challenges. Well, this passage also speaks about something that is really important. It's a question that we can ask um, ourselves, and it helps us, I think, to think through something really important and to think it through clearly. Where do we find Yeshua in the Torah? And I want to give you a key. You look for the times when God appeared and he made himself visible and physically present. And this is one of those occasions. It says the Lord appeared to 
Isaac and uses the word Vayera and the Lord appeared. It's the same word that's used in Genesis 12, 7, when the Lord appeared to Abraham. It's the same word that's used in Genesis 18, verse 1, when the Lord appeared to Abraham, when Abraham was sitting in front of his tent and the Lord came to him. And so if we understand this, that Yeshua is the fullness of God in bodily form, then we can begin to recognize all those many occasions when God appeared in bodily form, in the form of a man, being visible and being physically present to our forefathers, to our ancestors. It's so important to be able to read the scriptures and to see that. Let's continue in verse 6. And so Isaac settled in Gerar. And settled means he really established himself there. Verse 7 says this. The men of the place asked him about his wife, and out of fear, he said, she is my sister. He thought, if I tell them she's my wife, they might kill me in order to take Rebecca. After all, she's a beautiful woman. But one day, after he had lived there a long time, you see, long time he had lived there and settled. He was settled. He lived there a long time. Avimelech, the king of the Philistines, happened to be looking out of a window when he spotted Isaac caressing Rebekah, his wife. So they're having some intimacy. And Avimelech summoned Yitzchak and said, so she's your wife after all. How come you said she's my sister? And Isaac answered, well, because I thought I could get killed because of her. And Avimelech said, what is this you've done to us? One of the people could easily have slept with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. And then Avimelech warned all the people, whoever touches this man or his wife will certainly be put to death. So let's look carefully at this. Isaac misjudged the motives of the people around him, and he was afraid of what they would do with him and with his wife, Rebecca, Rivka. He thought he understood what they would do. He didn't know that they would act in a righteous way. He thought they would not. But in fact, they were prepared to be righteous in their response to him. So it's interesting. And it teaches us a lesson to be slow to judge other people's motives, to be careful about um, uncertain situations, of course, but not to jump to conclusions. Let's go to verse 12. Isaac planted crops in that land, and he reaped that year a hundred times as much as he had sowed. Adonai had blessed him. You see, it's possible, Mishpachat, to prosper in the middle of difficult circumstances. Of course, Isaac had to do the normal work of sowing and reaping. Some people have the attitude, well, God will do everything. It all depends on the Lord. But sowing and reaping is our work. Blessing is God's work. And so it's important for you and me to sow well and to sow um, with a hope about the future. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 speaks of this, and it uses this metaphor of sowing and reaping to help us understand um, principles of the heart. It says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
So it is important for us to remember that generosity in sowing is connected to abundance and generosity in reaping. Let's continue in Genesis 26, now verse 13. Speaking of Isaac, it says, the man became rich and he prospered more and more until he had become very wealthy indeed. You see, Isaac became rich. He prospered more and more, and he became very wealthy. Now, material wealth is not the certain sign. It's not the sure sign of God's blessing. But when we are prospering in the Lord. And when the Lord prospers us, we have enough for ourselves. We have enough to use for others as well. And that truly is a blessing. Verse 14, Isaac had flocks, cattle, and a very large household, and the Philistines envied him. Well, just because God blesses you, that doesn't mean that everyone around you is going to be happy with you. I mean, some of you who are in the sanctuary right now, you, you know this. You've had this experience where God has blessed you, but other people aren't happy with your being blessed. That was the case for the Philistines. They envied Isaac. And there are different forms of envy. One, one form is this. I don't want you to have what I don't have. And a variant of that is, I don't want you to have what you do have. Another form of envy is, I want what you have. That's a, that's a form of covetousness. And then another form that I want to mention is this, I will take what you have. And that leads to stealing. All of these are born from envy in the heart. When people don't bless others who are being blessed and aren't happy for them, and they want what they have for themselves, it can lead all the way to stealing and even worse. Verse 15. Now the Philistines had stopped up and filled with dirt all the wells that his father's servants had dug during the lifetime of Abraham, his father. And Avimelech said to Isaac, you must go away from us because you become much more powerful than we are. So Avimelech is saying, go away. You're, you're just too strong. You're a threat to us. Verse 17, and so Isaac left. He set up camp in Wadi Gerar and he lived there. Yitzchak reopened the wells which had been dug during the lifetime of Abraham, his father, the ones the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died and called them by the names his father had used for them. So Isaac now is digging again. He's having to, to dig deeper because these wells have been fully plugged up. Isaac's servants dug in the wadi, verse 19 tells us, and then covered a spring of running water. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Yitzchak's, Isaac's herdsmen, and they claimed that water is ours. You see how envy is at work and also the sense of threat. And so Isaac called the place Essek, which means quarrel, because they quarreled with him. Verse 21, well, they dug another well, and the people quarreled over that one too. So he called it Sitna. And, and this sequence is what caused me to give the title to this message, not again, enough already. 
Because you can imagine and understand the temptation to give up and to stop doing the work of digging, to think that the conflict will always be the same. And that's what, what's happening again and again and has been happening will keep happening. It would have been really easy to stop digging wells because of the repetition and the pattern of conflict, to judge the future by the current situation in the recent past. But verse 22 tells us something. It's part of the lesson for us. Isaac went away from there. He dug another well. And over that one, they did not quarrel. Something changed. And so he called the place Rechavot, which means wide open space, and said, because now Adonai has made room for us, and we will be productive in the land. This is interesting. Isaac dug again and again, but this time the people around him did not quarrel with him. The Lord had made the place productive and pleasant. Sometimes, Mishpacha, you've just got to keep digging. You've got to dig deeper, dig again, dig again and again, and don't give in to that temptation of frustration and disappointment that says, enough already, not again. Verse 23, from there, Isaac went up to Beersheba. Remember, Rechavot was a place without contention. It was a peaceful place and a place where Isaac could coexist nearby, but in his own space. But it was also a launching pad from, from there, Isaac went to Beersheba. Let's go to verse 24, because there's a description here of yet another appearance of the Lord. The Lord appeared to Isaac that same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Don't be afraid because I'm with you. I will bless you. I will increase your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. Verse 25. And so there Isaac built an altar and he called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. They just keep digging. And I think that's a great encouragement to us. Let's keep digging. Let's keep doing our work. Just like planting and reaping is our work. Blessing is the Lord. Digging and digging deeper and digging again and again is also our work. Verse 26. Then Avimelech went to Isaac from Gerar with his friend Ahuzad and Pichol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, he wasn't shy. He said, why have you come to me? even though you were unfriendly to me and sent me away? Isaac asked a very direct and blunt question. Verse 28, they answered, we saw very clearly that Adonai has been with you. And so we said, let there be a treaty between us. Let's make a pact between ourselves and you that you will not harm us, just as we have not caused you offense, but have done you nothing but good and sent you on your way in peace. Now you're blessed by Adonai. Yeah, it seems a little bit revisionist, doesn't it? But here's their explanation. First, we saw the Lord was with you. Second, we realized we should make an agreement, a treaty together. And third, we want you to commit to us not to do any harm to us, just like we've been doing good towards you. And you know, maybe that's revisionist, but maybe it also reflects their point of view. They didn't go to war against Isaac. They just wanted him to move further away. And when he did move further away, they were peaceful with him. Verse 30. And so Isaac 
prepared a banquet for them. They ate and drank. And the next morning they got up early and they swore to each other they made a treaty. And then Isaac sent them on their way and they left him peacefully. Verse 32, that very day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug. We fell in water. And so you see, the servants like have this in their kishkas, it's in their DNA, it's part of who they are. They just keep digging, they dig wells and they have an abundance of water. And they say, we found water. And so Isaac called it Shiva, which can mean oath or pact or agreement. It can also mean seven. And for this reason, the name of the city is Beersheba, which means the well of seven or the well of an oath. They kept digging wells. The, the digging wells reflected their view of the future, that they would be blessed in that place, that they would prosper. They knew they needed water for their flocks and for their crops and for themselves. And they invested labor capital to improve the area they kept giving. I think this gives us a valuable lesson. Keep digging, Mishpocha. Keep putting in your effort. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't say enough already. Don't say not again. Don't allow opposition to take away your forward momentum. Keep doing your work. It's very important to keep your faith and to remember also a secret that the Lord appeared to Isaac at important times. And if you keep your eyes on the Lord, the fellowship you have with God will refresh you and strengthen you as well. Let's go to Hebrews 12, verses 2 and 3. And I want you to remember that, that this book of the New Covenant, of the Brijah was written specifically to Messianic Jews. Hebrews means Jewish believers. Where Galatians was written to Gentile believers and the letter to the Romans was written to Italian Gentiles. Of course, all of those books are useful for all of us, but this one was particularly addressed to the early Messianic Jews. Hebrews 12 verses 2 and 3. Let us fix our eyes on Yeshua, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who wrote faith in our hearts and the one who brings it to a perfect condition, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We want to keep our eyes on Yeshua. We want to think about him. We want to think about what he went through, about his perseverance, about what he accomplished for us. And think about the hostility that he faced from sinners. Sometimes our attention is only on ourselves and our experience. Sometimes our eyes are fixed on the TV screen and we're watching so much news that our point of view is shaped by their point of view. And then we grow weary and frustrated and we lose heart. Sometimes we, we get into the echo chamber of our social networking and we hear things again and again and, and it takes heart away from us and strength away from us. And Isaac and the writers of the New Covenant understood not to get pulled down this way. Take time for the Lord and focus on Yeshua. Don't just think about yourself, but think about him and what he has done for you. And when you do that, you won't grow weary. You won't lose heart. The fellowship that you have with the Lord will fortify you. That's the promise of Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait upon the Lord 
will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? It means to actively seek him, to take time and spend time with him. Your strength, Mishpocha, will be renewed. You will ascend to a higher place. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. In fact, not only will you be refreshed, but you will be living the life of a true disciple and you will be able to speak words to the weary that renew and refresh them too. So this is my hope and my prayer for you, that you would be strong in the Lord, that you would keep your eyes focused on him and don't allow yourself to be absorbed in other perspectives and points of view. No matter what's happening in the world around you, no matter how difficult challenges can be and difficult times can be, such as we're in right now, these are also important times. And if you keep your eyes focused on the Lord, you know what? He is going to renew you. He's going to lift you up to his place. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to fortify you. He is going to cause your heart to be strong so that you don't lose heart. You don't grow weary. You don't give up. You keep digging. You keep digging deeper and deeper, and you don't fall in to that temptation. Oh, no, not again. Enough is enough. Enough already. No, don't say that. It's time to move out a little bit further and to dig again and to see that God is able to bless you even in hostile situations that have been plaguing you up until the recent past and even until right now. You can live in a different way and I wanna encourage you in that because God wants you to share not only in the sufferings of Yeshua, but in the victory of Messiah Yeshua as well. Well, we're gonna close with Aaron's blessing this morning and then we'll have a final worship song from Renee and the worst. Oh, actually we won't, we won't have a final worship song. No, we've completed our worship. Ah. Terrific. Renee, again, you did a wonderful job leading in worship team. All of you who are serving on the worship team, we so appreciate you leading us in worship this morning. Before we have Aaron's blessing, would you consider a generous contribution? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all the details. So Sandy, come join me and let's join Rabbi Yuri and Rabbi Zanina in the sanctuary for Aaron's blessing. And we're going to take a moment together and we are going to um, bless you in the name of the Lord. And so, um, Rabbi Yuri, when, when you're ready to join us, Rabbi Zanina, so nice to see you too. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, you guys. And just a reminder, Rabbi Yuri, I know that uh, Jacob is going to be excited to meet you because you've been speaking so well about him when so many others are calling him just a rotten deceiver. But you, I think, really got his heart. <laughs> Thank you, Rabbi So, um, Rabbi Yuri, I'll, I'll do the Hebrew. You want to do Russian? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yivarechecha Adonai, v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai, p'navelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai, p'navelecha. V'yasem lecha. Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. And now in Russian... 
Да благослови Тебя, Господь, и сохрани Тебя. Да презрит на Тебя Господь светлым лицом Своим и помилует Тебя. Да обратит Господь лицо Свое на Тебя и даст Тебе мир. Амэм. Amen. Amen. And so we want to say Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving Day this coming week. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom. <laughs>